1: Sports Radio ninety two nine the game Chris go fourth in with you today glad to be hanging out on the holiday hope you're uh, hope you had a good holiday hope you had a good weekend back to work for most of us tomorrow but um, hope you're enjoying your day Eric Slaughter hanging out with me as well we're gonna get to five Falcons questions Eric I didn't get to you a second ago and again we're gonna we're gonna revisit it a little bit later on in the show but when you take a look at the Falcons and the Panthers. On Sunday, short of a win, what do you want to see for the Falcons on, from
2: the Falcons on Sunday? I want to see a final stat that the Carolina Panthers was thirty percent or less in third down conversions. Mm,
1: okay, all right. That'd because be a good start. I mean, how
2: many times have we seen third and eight converted? Yep. Third and seven converted, and then even the worst ones, third and nine, ten, eleven, or twelve. Converted, You know, I've seen stat lines where the opposing team was 50-plus percent on third-down conversions. You can't win like that. You won't win like that, not in this league.
1: No, you're 100% right. And, look, that's another way, again, I feel like there's so much emphasis that gets put on that quarterback sack or quarterback hit statistic that there's other ways you can affect the game without necessarily racking up big sack totals. Sack totals helps, but there's other ways you can do it. Getting off the field on third down is a big one. So I'm, I'm with you 100%. Let's get to our five Falcons questions now. Uh, Eric's got them teed up, and we'll uh, – uh, hey, we've hit game week for the Falcons.
2: Yes, indeed, and I can't remember, Chris. You don't have any sound. we got to get you some sounding for this segment, Five yeah, Falcons Questions. But, yeah, let's get to uh, Five Falcons question here on uh, Chris Goethful's show on this Monday, Labor Day. My mm-hmm. man Chris mm-hmm. said Memorial Day early in the show. That's all right, though. So, um. You uh, talked about it. It I, feels
1: like it, Eric. The yeah. summer's gone yeah. by quick, man. Quick,
2: real quick. You know, except for working guys like myself, it went by real, real yeah, real fast, like you said. Um, you had mentioned, you know, that they kept three QBs. So, I have any questions. Were there any surprises on that final 53-man roster to you? You know, the, the biggest
1: surprise wasn't necessarily who they kept. It's uh, who they didn't keep. Uh, Parker Hesse was one. Seems like every time Arthur Smith had talked about Parker Hesse, it was with with glowing terms about you know how important Parker Hesse was and and what he meant to that offense. So uh, to see Parker Hesse get cut that was one. And then Timmy Horn was the other. I really thought Timmy Horn would be one of those guys in the middle of that defensive front, um, in or at least in the rotation over the course of the year. So. That was the two for me that, again, I thought the Falcons had some really tough decisions to make at both wide receiver and at defensive back. Um, You know, I was glad to see DeMarco Hellum's stick. Uh, I think he had a fantastic preseason. So, uh, and I thought they had tough decisions to make there, tough decision to make at wide receiver. Um, I thought they had tough decisions to make it at, on the offensive line because outside of the starters, I didn't think any of the rest of those guys had played all that well. So, and I think that's the proof is in the pudding by the moves the Falcons made with the cuts and the moves they have made since when they went out and got themselves a swing tackle after, you know, they didn't see what they wanted to see from the guys that they had there. So, uh, again, for me it wasn't so much about who made it, it was about who didn't make it.
2: I agree with you. A um, couple guys. I was surprised they kept ten defensive backs. To me, that seemed like a big number.
1: I think all those guys made a really strong case, though. I, I you know, I'm with you that normally that's not what you would see or expect.
2: Yeah, eight, 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 eight maybe nine, but ten. Yes, wow, 10, ten defensive backs. Ten's
1: a lot, but i But look, you know, and they didn't. The one guy out of that group that I think everybody expected to be there uh, was Micah Abernathy. And he didn't make it. Yeah. Okay. All so, right. uh, they had – look, I, I thought the DBs, they had enough guys play well during the preseason. That was the, the one position group where I thought it was going to be tough uh, regardless of who you cut. You know, it was going to be difficult.
2: All right. So, let's uh, go to question number two, keeping along this roster kind of theme. What position group are you most worried about and what position group are you least worried about?
1: The strength of this team is, is at running back. You're bringing back Tyler Algier, had a great year last year. You know you're going to get Cordero Patterson healthy at some point. You add in uh, Bijan Robinson into this mix, a guy that Arthur Smith called a home run hitter earlier this this summer. I think the running back group is the one that you got to feel best about. I think it's the most dynamic group on the on the team. Uh, and I think it's obviously with the way the Falcons want to run. You just heard the promo for the, for the morning shift uh, a few minutes ago with, with Tiffany, Bowen, and Mike. This is a team that wants to line up and run the football, and they want to run it a lot. And I think having your best players in that room is probably a good thing for the Falcons. Position that concerns me the most honestly, it's not even on the defensive side of the ball. And I think if we would have had this conversation in April or May, It probably would have been somewhere defensively. I feel oddly um, content with the – maybe unfoundedly so, but I feel oddly content with the Falcons defensively. I'm really concerned about the offensive line. Uh, I think the five guys that start on Sunday are going to be fine. But if anybody goes down, and I think we saw it in the preseason, depth on that offensive line is a real concern.
2: I can see that. I can see that. We got to think uh, – we got to hope that it's uh, 2017 all over again. You know what the Falcons did in 2017 offensive line-wise, right?
1: Uh, every five – every one of those five guys started every single game together. That's
2: right. That's what yeah, they that's, did. That's unheard of. Yeah. Well, we, unheard we, we've of. seen it. We can do it again. All right. Um, right. Um, let's look at our draft class, our 2023 draft class. I'll ask you this question. How many of the eight 2023 draft class – of the Falcons are big contributors this season. You know, other than of course, we know that guy drafted in the first round, he's going to be a major contributor. Bajon's going to be a
1: huge part of it. Obviously, Matthew Bergeron are going to is going to be significant because those are the two guys that will start and, you know, in the case of Bergeron, man, you you hope he's the answer and he's out there every single every single play. There were so many veteran guys that were brought in this offseason on defense. Till I think it's a little more difficult on that side of the ball. Clark Phillips the third, probably the guy there that's going to play the most. I mentioned Demarco Hellams a moment ago. If he can play in the regular season like he did in the preseason, he's going to be really difficult to keep that guy off the field because he just was seemingly always around the ball when he was in the uh, uh, when he was in the game during the preseason. But I think Clark Phillips III is probably going to be the guy that is that is going to play them. Hey, we talked about those 10 DBs just a second ago, and here I am, Eric, talking about you know two rookie DBs that are going to get a chance to play a lot. Uh, and I, I think you're going to see a lot of those guys. They're going to have to be, if you're going to keep 10 on that roster, those guys are going to have to be huge, huge contributors on special teams. But I'm talking more about being out there with their with their group either on offense or on defense. And and I think those two guys, uh, on defensively, Clark Phillips the third, I think is probably the one who plays the most and and has the the biggest impact.
2: Well then um I have another question here pinned for you and with the answer you're giving me, I know I told you not to really think about Bajan, but um is he gonna be the twenty twenty three NFC Offensive Rookie of the Year because the NFC and the AFC gets one right. if I recall correctly. Right. Well, he's he's the Vegas favorite, right?
1: And I think if you look, he's he's going to be in the conversation regardless. And like we talked about earlier when talking about Bryce Young, who I think is number two uh, in the Vegas odds. CJ Stroud's in that conversation. Um, Anthony Richardson is in that conversation too. And, and talking about how Vegas. Uh, has these guys set. You know, Bajan is the betting favorite right now. I think it's either Bajon or it's Jameer Gibbs, one of the two, because I think rookie quarterbacks struggle, and I think all three of those guys, you know, uh, Stroud, Richardson, Young, those guys are all going to have their issues in year one uh, you know, Dan Campbell, the head coach of the Lions, he has a uh, – there was a, a scroll this morning on – or maybe it was uh, an actual little story they did on the NFL Network this morning about Dan Campbell saying that they're going to use Jameer Gibbs in ways that people aren't expecting. Uh, I think there's some similarities in his game and in Bajan Robinson's game. So I think it's going to be one of those two guys, one of those two. Now, uh, and again, I think – uh, you know, Bajon is in a little different situation because I'll be honest, I kind of like. And, and the Falcons are going to see the Lions coming up later on in the season. I kind of like the the skill guys that the Falcons have got around him uh, a little bit better than what all the Lions are going to be able to put around Jameer Gibbs. I think Jameer Gibbs is going to have to be a much bigger piece in Detroit than what. Bijan uh, Robinson's going to have to be here. But I think it's going to be one of those two guys.
2: Agree, 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 and definitely agree. All right, we got uh, one last question here on this Falcons five questions here with Chris Goforth. Give me a player, one player on either side. Okay, actually, give me one player on both sides of the ball, offense and defense, that we are not talking about, that we should be talking about.
1: You know, I feel like nobody talks about Caden Ellis enough um, and I think Caden Ellis is going to be one. First off, you just mentioned Rashawn Evans and him being the guy that the Falcons brought in last year. Um, you know, he replaced Foyer Aluakin. Who was, if Foyer didn't lead the NFL in tackles, he was among the leaders in tackles. No, he did. You talking about
2: Jacksonville last year?
1: Uh, no, I'm talking about the last year Foyer was with the Falcons.
2: He, he, Foyer has led the, the NFL in tackles the last two years one year with the Falcons, okay. one year there with the Jaguars.
1: I knew if he didn't lead it, I knew he was up at the top of that list when he was here. Um, And last year, Rashawn Evans had a big tackle number for the Falcons. So I think. Caden Ellis has got to be the guy that fills that void for the Falcons, and I don't know that we've really heard a lot about him uh, over the course of this summer. I don't think we we probably haven't talked about that guy enough. Um, if it wasn't for having a new quarterback taking over in Desmond Ritter, drafting a you know kind of a home run hitter like Bajan Robinson, you know, and and signing Jesse Bates in free agency. That signing of Caden Ellis probably gets a lot more play and a lot more discussion in any other year, maybe other than this one. The other guy that I really like, I'm going to go back to those DBs. I told you I thought it was difficult to decide uh, between those guys, and that's the reason why the Falcons ended up keeping 10 of them. But, um, you know, D. Alford is a guy over there that I really, really like. I think he's got a chance to have a, to have a big year. If we're going to go offense – um, it's not going to be a running back because all of those guys are already in the conversation, right? We, we're, we're, you know, we're beating Robinson, Algier, Patterson, that kind of that three headed monster back there. We we beat that to death all summer. How about Michael Pruitt? The oh, I thought, that, in, I thought you were going.
2: I thought okay, you finished, now, I'll give you my retort.
1: All right. So, and, and the reason why I say that. Michael Pruitt at the end of last year, and the Falcons signed him, what, midway through camp this year, and he ends up being one of the tight ends that sticks. You go back to last year. I thought that guy had a connection with Desmond Ritter. He always seemed to be open. I think he had two touchdown passes, or two touchdown receptions rather, in those last four games last year with Ritter. I just think, Mike, you know, people want to talk about Jonu Smith and and, and Kyle Pitts, and I, and rightfully so, right? Those are – you're talking about one of the bright young stars of the game in Pitts and a veteran that knows how to play this game in Jono Smith. But, uh, you know, I think Michael Pruitt, is he going to be a pro bowler? No. But I think he's a guy that can make great contributions to this offense that nobody's talking about.
2: Okay. Now, I, I see it. Yeah, he did get some touchdowns last year, but I think the fact that – we have a healthy Pitts, and John Lewis smith probably will take away from that. I thought the name you were going to go with was Matt Collins because we needed a wide receiver number two, and I liked what I saw out of him in the preseason. He's big, he's physical, he's fast, big catch radius. I mean, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and 6'6", six, six is what we have between yeah, London and Collins. Yeah, we a of forwards, don't we? Yeah, absolutely, or, you know, 3 and D guys, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So, yeah, let's do it.
1: All right, we come back. Uh, Joe Patrick from here at Sports Radio 92.9 The Game is going to join us. We're going to talk more about these Falcons with Joe, about this week one opener against the Carolina Panthers. We'll get to that. We'll also do our NFL notebook to close out this hour as well. We'll go around the league. We'll hear from Patrick Mahomes uh, coming up. Falcons, by the way, a three-point favorite at home versus the Panthers Sunday for those of you that enjoy such festivities. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Hang on back in a minute. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Let's continue talking about those Atlanta Falcons as we are. It's game week. Falcons and Panthers uh, get it going to kick off the uh, the NFL season for both teams. That happens on Sunday in a game that you can hear right here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Joe Patrick. He'll be covering that game for two nine the game. Joe's kind enough to uh, give us a few minutes here as we hang out for just a bit on the uh, WadeFord.com hotline, Wade Ford, Atlanta's Ford dealer. Joe, any surprises going back to last week for just a minute? Any surprises for you on the 53-man roster announcements last week?
3: I don't think there were any massive surprises, Chris. I think one of the reasons for that is because of what Arthur Smith has been saying for this entire training camp, which was that this was always going to be a difficult roster to make. The reason being, they signed a lot of free agents who they obviously owe money to, who they expect to be producers for this team. And so there aren't naturally the amount of spots that there have been the last couple years for guys to really fight their ways onto the roster. I think one of the guys that that we all thought did fight his way out of the roster and didn't make it is DeMarco Helms, but he's not taking – the spot of anybody that we we thought would be on this team in a substantial way, obviously Mike Abernathy kind of the last cut there. I think if you are to point any one surprise out, it would probably be the fact that the team left Parker Hesse off the 53 man roster, considering he, was, he had one of the highest snap percentages of any Falcons offensive player outside of the offensive line and quarterback position last year. But then when you think about it, they got him back on the practice squad, and he could very well be elevated, depending on what happens with the roster management this week, uh, into this game this week. So I think that they, it was just a way for them to – basically keep John Fitzpatrick. So outside of some of those mechanisms, not a ton of surprises. And maybe one of the other ones that people might not be uh, so aware of is is Logan Woodside, the the third string quarterback, who the team will be able to roster on game days, despite not being on the active roster, as long as he made that 53 man. I think that he proved Arthur Smith and the coaching staff over the course of training camp, that he was just too valuable to expose to waivers. So there were some surprises, but, Overall, I think this is mainly the group we were expecting to see and uh, perform against the Carolina Panthers this coming Sunday. Have we seen enough of Desmond Ritter in the preseason? Well, fans haven't. (laughs) You know, I haven't. I, as a football fan, wanted to see Desmond Ritter more. We all want to see Desmond Ritter more, but I think the reason why we wanted to see him more is because we all love football and we just want to see – high-quality football as much as we can. And the pri- and this is where it gets interesting because the, the priorities of the fans and coaches, especially during the training camp portion of the season, are wildly divergent, where the coaching staff gets every, you know, camera angle of every play that happens in practice. So they're seeing a very dissected view of Desmond Ritter and obviously analyzing and trying to work and improve his game, where us fans and, you know, even media – we see a lot less of him. Obviously, for me, you know, I see him out of practice, unfortunately, be able to do that. But for fans, you really only see him in that one drive against the Bengals in preseason. And it was a good drive for him. I mean, the team moved the ball over 100 yards because they had some penalties there. Uh, But I think everybody would probably be a little bit, if anything, like more psychologically comfortable (laughs) going into this game if they had maybe seen another drive of him. Uh, in the following game against the Steelers, especially considering the way that game went. But I think that this coaching staff is very comfortable with him. Arthur Smith said it, that if he did actually have question marks about whether Desmond Ritter was going to be able to, you know, execute any part of his offense, and he would have put him out there for that Steelers game. I just think that the, the, the Falcons staff is very, very confident in Desmond Ritter and that's why they're treating him like the the top, you know, kind of top dog quarterback that they expect him to be this season. Joe Patrick of uh, Sports Radio 929 the
1: game, he's hanging out with us here on this uh, Labor Day as we talk a little bit about the Falcons season opener coming up Sunday against the Carolina Panthers kickoff set for 1 at Mercedes-Benz Stadium and of course you can hear it here, Sports Radio 929 the game. It seems like coaches in the NFL now, Joe, since we've gone to this three preseason game schedule, everybody kind of has their own way of, of doing it. Uh, you know, some coaches, Mike Tomlin, for instance, still uses that third preseason game as kind of the dress rehearsal where your starters are going to play um, a, a lot. Uh, other coaches, Arthur Smith being one, where it feels like the starters rarely play at all. Um, and I think his first uh, preseason, I don't think the starters did play that year. Yeah, yeah. Should they have played more throughout this preseason?
3: Oh, you know, it, it, this is where it's so uh, easy to be critical, but it's hard to do it in a way that it actually has any substance behind it. And so, for me, I kind of take the – the route of the fact that the, the the coaches are getting a much better look at these guys and what they need um, out of them in the opportunities they have to dissect the the practice tape and and go through all these reps that these guys go through. It's not like Desmond Ritter just had three reps <laughs> or uh, you know one series of reps throughout tra- throughout training camp. He had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of reps that this team has broken down uh, and going up against a, a pretty good defense. You know when when he's taking reps, it's it's good be good typically. Uh, for the Falcons, so it's not like he's going up against some shoddy defense either with what the you know we expect this Falcons defense to be with all the improvements that they've made. So I, I totally understand the argument, and like I said earlier, selfishly, I would have liked to see Desmond Ritter and all the starters play more, but I think that uh, part of that also is that just because of what they did show on that one drive was, was so tantalizing, just, in, uh, you know, just the diverse array of playmakers that they have that they can get the ball to You just want to see more of that, and so that's why I I would have liked to see more of the starters. But, again, I I kind of just trust the coaches that if there was more that they wanted to see, then then they would have given them that opportunity. And then there's the other part of this, which is that maybe they would have wanted to play some of these guys a little bit more, but they did have some just kind of, you know, knocks and injuries that they wanted to make sure they weren't taking any risks with with some of their – Top players, Drew Dahlman and Chris Lindstrom, both missed practices in the lead-up to that Steelers game. And then so if they can't play in that game, do you put Desmond Ritter behind, you know, backup offensive linemen? You probably don't want to do that because of what we saw from the backup offensive lineman in that game. So that's where you can get into this cycle of, you know, could he, could they, would they, you know, should they have... I don't know exactly. Again, I, I kind of like the quote that Mike Tomlin gave about his perspective on it, which was that like yeah, you can't go into a boxing match without sparring some, which is obviously kind of a reference to you know the, the starters actually getting out there and, and going full tilt in preseason. But um, you just gotta hope that the Falcons will, will be prepared. And I think at this point, we've heard so much about Arthur Smith talking about how physical of a camp it's been you know, that takes a toll on your body in, in the form of, like, you just kind of degrade. And so I think that they've been trying to get these guys as healthy as possible so that physically they're in the best shape possible going into the overall arching season, the long season. But obviously that starts in game one. And Mercedes Benz Stadium against the Panthers. Joe Patrick, Sports Radio 92.9, the game. We talk about the Falcons
1: season opener coming up Sunday against the Carolina Panthers. Joe, is there a position When you look at the 53 and you look at this practice squad, and obviously the practice squad still continues to be in a little bit of a state of flux maybe, but is there a position of concern for you heading into this
3: season? You know, honestly, I I don't think there's a position of concern as it relates to the, 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 the starters that this team has, but... Again, to kind of go back to that Steelers game and reference that backup offensive line, I think it's very, it would be very concerning if you were to lose really anybody on the offensive line for a substantial amount of time, but especially either one of the tackles. And we got to just knock on wood and hope that Jake Matthews is able to continue his unbelievably consistent career in terms of being able to play. But, you know, the team, when you talk about this practice squad being in flux, that's, you know, th- that, that swing tackle, that backup tackle is a, is a big part of that, where the team signed Josh Miles to the 53-man roster, then waived him. They signed Isaiah Prince, who's coming from Cincinnati, uh, also played in Denver. Uh, a guy who was, you know, went to a Super Bowl with the, with the Bengals, but was part of that offensive line that was notab- notably one of the most porous offensive lines that ever made it to a Super Bowl. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he's able to fit in, but it, 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 you know, I think first of all, it's not even so much about the pass protection. It's about, can those tackles, you know, run block and do the things that Arthur Smith is going to want to make a priority of his offense. But I think if there's one thing about this team overall that I am concerned about, it's just in general, the depth and they've got, you know, they, with all these signings that they made, there was plenty of one-year deals. When you look at um Calais Campbell's and Bud Dupree's. And so you just got to hope that there is the depth. Now, I think at the defensive line, there is a lot more depth. But, again, in some positions, there's just not as much. I think at the wide receiver position, too, uh, it gets a little dicey after you get past your first few pass catchers. So um, I, I think that that's my biggest concern. But I don't think that there are a ton of concerns for a lot of the starters, really, I'm outside, obviously, the, the biggest talking point is Desmond Ritter. But, honestly, I have a much higher um, opinion of, of Desmond Ritter than I think a lot of the national media has. And I think a lot of just local fans understand what Desmond Ritter brings in this offense as well. And I think a lot of fans maybe not may not be as concerned about Desmond Ritter as a lot of you know, national talking points would lead you to. How do you think the touches in the backfield
1: get split up? Now that Bijan Robinson is here, you lump him in with, uh, you know, uh, Tyler Algier and a healthy Cordero Patterson. Uh, how do they? How, how does it get uh, divvied up back there?
3: Yeah, I'm sure that you know game by game, the game plan will will play a part into this. But overall, I, I would say this: I would say that you know Bijan is still going to be this team's their their big you know workhorse running back. I do think that Tyler Algier will be used strategically both in the beginning of games and at the end of games because he is that power runner who can kind of um, you know uh, kind of. Get that initial twist of the cap of the jar, you know, that's stuck. Uh, he can kind of jar it loose at the beginning of the game and maybe loosen up some things for Bijan. And then I think at the ends of games, you can bring in Tyler Altura to really kind of pound a defense that you know maybe kind of losing some of their morale towards the end, especially if Atlanta is trying to ice away a game. So I think that that's how he'll, he might be used in-game. But overall, I think that the majority of carries are going to go to those two players. And again, you've got to expect that there's going to be some injuries at some point at the running back position. It's just the nature of it. So I would expect... Cordero Patterson and even Godwin DiGlubique, who's back on the practice squad after a good training camp. I think that both those guys will get carries over the course of the season, but especially with with regards to Cordero Patterson, I see him much more of him being a wide receiver first this year and then reverting to the running back position more when he's needed because of whether it's injuries or or, or whatever the issues uh, might arise for the Falcons. But I think he'll be more of a a kind of a a, a safety plug, so to speak, than – uh, somebody who is like last year kind of coming in to be one of your premier running backs. Now I know we didn't we didn't expect him to be that because they drafted Bijan, but I just think that you'll see Cordero Patterson use a lot more split out wide and going out and running routes than he has uh, in the past couple of years. And I think that overall it sets up for a very dynamic offense where you can use any number of these guys. Even Bijan, I would expect him to line up in the slot quite a bit, and I would expect some of these running backs to be on the field at the same time, which makes Arthur Smith's offense so dangerous.
1: Joe, I feel better about this defense. I kind of am a little surprised at how optimistic I feel about this group based off of what we have seen uh, in the preseason. Give me your thoughts as a guy that's, that's around the team almost daily at least and,
3: and uh, your thoughts on how good you think that defense can be. Well, it's such a different defense than what we've seen the last couple of years, Chris. I mean, first of all, the thing that strikes you is just how physically impressive these guys are. They are big. That that defensive line is just full of big dudes. <laughs> it is. It is Grady Jarrett, David Onyemata, Calais Campbell, Bud Dupree. You got Lorenzo Carter mixed in there. Like you just got. Big physical front. Zach Harrison, the the rookie defensive end out of Ohio State, has made a real big splash in training camp, and he looks like he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. But it's very much, you know, as you would expect, kind of modeled after what the, over what the Saints have done uh, over these years with that kind of big, powerful defensive line. And I think that one of the ramifications of that is it gives Atlanta's linebacking core, which we know is very athletic, with Caden Ellis and then obviously with Troy Anderson, the guy who is one of the most athletic. Uh, linebackers come out of the draft in decades uh, for them to get really run around and make plays. You just hope that that defensive line can keep the, the blockers off of those two, and they can you know really exploit their natural talents. And then at the secondary, I think is some of the biggest improvements when you bring in a guy like Jesse Bates. Not only does he raise the overall just ability level of what your secondary can do, but he's also such a leader. He's been to the Super Bowl. He's been played in the biggest games, and at that position at safety. He brings a really you know, important leadership quality and communication quality where he can help out these guys in not just um, where, where he plays in his own coverage, but he can help align guys and identify things pre-snap that's going to help the entire defense elevate themselves as a whole. So I'm really excited about what this defense can do, and they're going to play a lot more aggressively. You know, last year. They just didn't have the talent, so they played more bend-but-don't-break style. And I think that this is going to be a much more attractive defense to watch because they're going to be more aggressive in-your-face, and probably creating a lot more turnovers and making a lot more plays than they've been able to do the last couple of years.
1: Joe, appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Sunday.
3: Likewise. Likewise. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate right. it.
1: Joe Patrick Sports Radio 929 The Game. He's been with us on the waitfor.com hotline. Stick around. We'll take a trip around the NFL. We'll go around the league. We'll do that next. Sports Radio 929 The Game.
3: I like dollars, I like diamonds, I like stunning. Let's go forth on this.
1: Labor Day Monday. Glad to be hanging out with you. We'll get some more of your calls coming up here in uh, just a bit. Eric Slaughter behind the glass is we make things roll on this uh, on this labor day if you are working today we're glad to have you with us wherever you may be uh, wherever you may be joining us from uh, it's time for us to hit our uh, NFL notebook for today Falcons a 3 point favorite at home against those Carolina Panthers coming up on Sunday we'll continue to uh, talk more about the Falcons uh, coming up here in uh, in just a bit we have now gone as we hop into our notebook and this comes from the uh, the NFL I got a couple of things from the league office that I did want to make mention of today, uh, one of which comes from the NFL kickoff guide, which is uh, this mammoth PDF file that the NFL puts out every year. It's got some interesting little news and notes things in it, but it has been 18 years since the last time an NFL team won back-to-back Super Bowls. It was the Patriots in 2004. The Chiefs will try to do it this year. They open up the season Thursday night. That's the first regular season season. NFL game, it is the Chiefs and the Lions on Thursday night. Let's hear from Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes says he's not worried about the Super Bowl. He's focused on the Lions.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not necessarily study other teams. I uh, try to learn from uh, what we did last time when we were trying to repeat, obviously getting to the Super Bowl um, and losing, but uh, just trying to learn from that stuff, take the positives, and uh, learn from uh, what we didn't do that to get us that second championship in that year. So uh, uh, definitely looking at that, but not necessarily other teams.
1: On the heels of sending Trey Lance to the Cowboys following uh, a rough two years with the 49ers, Coach Kyle Shanahan went on KNBR – on Thursday of last week, and uh, he called the drafting of Trey Lance with the number three pick in the 2021 draft, saying the move was, quote, definitely a mistake. He also chalked the deal up as one the team needed to make given the lack of available veteran free agents, uh, free agent quarterbacks. A little story from ESPN, Cowboys trying to lock up Right tackle Terrence Steele to a five-year extension worth $86.8 million, including a uh, uh, fit, well, $50 million of that is guaranteed. That's according to Adam Schefter. Also, Mike Evans, the um, Pro Bowl wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he is set Sunday – As his deadline to receive a new contract from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, his representatives, his agents, are indicating that he will look to play elsewhere next year if no deal is reached. Uh, Evans, his uh, agents are day one sports and entertainment. They put out a release on Friday, said the wide receiver wants the next phase of his career to be with an organization who wants him and wants him to help win a Super Bowl. Uh, his agent said that the Buccaneers don't want to pay two receivers over $20 million a year. Chris Godwin is going into his second year of a uh, three-year $60 million deal. $40 million of that is guaranteed. Guaranteed, And they say that uh, in this press release that uh, Mike Evans has yet to receive an offer to stay in Tampa. Another little note here on the Falcons, cbssports.com, they have their ceiling and their floor predictions for each NFL team. They say the ceiling for the Falcons, in other words, the best the Falcons can do this year is 10-7 and 7 and win the NFC South. Here's what they say said so the Falcons have an incredible rushing attack bolstered by the addition of Bajon Robinson in the backfield and Tyler Algier can give opposing defenses nightmares as Atlanta can wear opponents down and give a revamped defense under Ryan Nielsen, a much needed breather. Nielsen's unit should be better at getting to the quarterback with the addition of Jesse Bates gives AJ Terrell significant help in the secondary. This is a winnable division. The floor for the Falcons, which is the rock bottom that they see for this team, 5-12 and 12 and missing the playoffs. It says Desmond Ritter is a significant question mark at quarterback as the Falcons are giving him an opportunity to retain the starting job past 2023. Ritter will have to protect the football if he wants to be the starter for all 17 games. The pass catchers outside of Drake London and Kyle Pitts uh, are little to be desired, especially if Pitts has another subpar campaign. Subpar, man. The guy was hurt for crying out loud. Uh, if the pass rush can't get sacks, the Falcons will struggle to win games in the NFC South, putting the future of head coach Arthur Smith in question. They cannot. I'm telling you, it would kill CBS Sports to write anything even remotely positive about the Falcons, Any, rem, anything remotely positive. NFL.com, they asked their writers to come up with the teams that will have the biggest turnaround in 2023. Falcons not on that list. Jets, Bears, Browns, Patriots, and Saints. That comes from uh, NFL.com. I told you I had a uh, couple things from the NFL that I, I wanted to mention. The the NFL has sent out um, kind of a and A on this emergency third quarterback. You know, we've heard uh, we heard Terry Fontenot earlier talk about you know Logan Woodside being that guy for the Falcons. So. Just to kind of give you a little bit of an explanation of this, the emergency third quarterback must be on the club's 53-player roster, cannot be somebody elevated from the practice squad. The club's starting quarterback, or QB1, and the QB2, must also be on the club's 53 roster. The, a club must have two bona fide quarterbacks on its game-day active list in order to designate an emergency third quarterback. You cannot designate an emergency third quarterback if it has three or more bona fide quarterbacks. Uh, when is the emergency quarterback permitted to enter the game? Only if the club's two active quarterbacks are un- unable to play, either by disqualification or injury. Um, if an emergency quarterback comes in, Quarterback one, quarterback two are permitted to return to the game. Um, Players who play other positions are not allowed as emergency third quarterbacks. So, in other words, somebody like a Felipe Franks says players who play positions other than quarterbacks are prohibited from being listed as an emergency third quarterback. Um, Emergency third quarterbacks are permitted to take part in warm-ups um the emergency third quarterback cannot enter the game due to the benching of QB1 or QB2 uh it cannot enter the game if there is an equipment issue with either quarterback 1 or quarterback 2 um let's try to look if there's any um are clubs allowed to play the emergency third quarterback in a non-traditional fashion, i.e., the wildcat formation? No, it's an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. By the way, if you if you violate any of these rules that the NFL has laid down about the uh, the third emergency quarterback, so just wanted to kind. Of, I know that's something that's been thrown around a lot. We had not really got into it a whole lot, or at least I haven't talked about it a whole lot. So I, I did want to make mention of that again. That Come straight from the national football league college football season got into full swing over the weekend the georgia bulldogs picked up the season opening win we'll hear from georgia head coach kirby smart when we come back chris goforth with you here sports radio 92.9 the game in the odyssey app
0: we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio